following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K-State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. I don't know how, I guess, I don't know if Twitter has anything to do with a certain algorithm that I might be, you know, Uh-oh. it's picked up on what I like to see, but this isn't usually what I look at on Twitter. Uh-oh. Usually it's sports related or news related. I somehow just stumbled across this account called Watch People Survive. It is the wildest rabbit hole I've ever fallen through. Every incident is like super scary, but they survive, and yet it's mesmerizing. Welcome to the game, Mitch Fortner <laughs> with Troy Coverdale, Travion Berkland wearing his uh, Mike Jack Thriller hoodie today. Our number is 537-1350, and of course, here on today's show, we'll have Derek Young from Case in a Line in the second hour. So, you know, Wednesday, you know, that all that gimmick. Hour number two is when you want to tune in for that. Plus, voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis, will talk to us about the AFC divisional round matchup and victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars. How's the angle doing? Not his, Pat Mahomes. Right. And also get us teed up for Chiefs, Bengals, Sunday, AFC championship game. How thrilled is Mitch to not have to go to Atlanta? For that game, I'm still floored how many tickets that had been sold between Bills fans and Chiefs fans, season ticket holders, that they already had 50,000 reservations already in place. I didn't realize. I'd imagine like it'd be like a bowl game, but also, you know, for a bowl game, you have about a month to prepare. Maybe a little less than a month, of course, three or four weeks. Was that right about? Is that about right for this game? They had about two weeks. Hmm. From when they sent out the information to the season ticket holders and still the fact that there would be that many, I was like, oh, so we're going to now get to the point where that becomes also a road trip for everybody. A lot of rich people out there. Well, I I don't know if I can afford a flight two weeks away. Right. That, That is really playing dangerously. Like if it's a vacation, I have to, you know, the best time to buy a flight is like two months out. Purchase your your tickets for your flight, and on like a Tuesday or a Wednesday, there you're like you got to make a decision now. Figure out who's going, make your plans. I've actually driven from Concordia to Atlanta, Georgia. Oh gosh, and that was a very long drive. Very long drive. But I tell you what, though, through Alabama, it was a little prettier than I thought it would be. Very green. On the on the interstate mm-hmm. through Alabama, through Tusk went through. I don't know if we went through Tuscaloosa. I think we went through Montgomery. Anyway, uh, also uh, we'll get you a number one song of the day and ask us anything. But I wanted to kick off with this. Um, yesterday, fellow brethren, when it comes to the media, Tim Fitzgerald announced on social media on Twitter that it had been known for a while that he had been dealing with prostate cancer. And then it was announced it was in remission. Unfortunately, Fitz has announced yesterday uh, that his cancer has returned. That was known, but the it's in stage four metastatic cancer. Now, 
some big words were thrown in there that I don't exactly understand. But the important thing is, is um, Tim Fitzgerald will pull in for you. Fight the good fight. Cancer sucks, man. Lost my grandpa just recently to it. Um, and we have your back. So if anything you need, please feel free to ask. Um, but we're, we're, we're in full support of you hmm. in this fight once again with cancer. Cancer is such a nasty thing. You Hate know, I, my grandpa, I think, is actually yeah. the first person in my family lost to cancer in high school. Uh, at the age of 24, a member of my high school class passed away from cancer. Such a nasty thing, but Fitz, we're here for you, buddy. We're here with you. Fight the good fight once again. And we're here to help if anything, if with anything you need. So, shout out to Tim Fitzgerald. Once again, a fight against cancer. And also, he also mentioned in his tweet that, uh, you know, yesterday's game was coaches versus cancer. Mm-hmm. The team's wearing shoes, and he thought it was, you know, the fitting night. Unfortunately, the Cats couldn't get the victory. But uh, I tell you what, the Cats did fight the good fight, I suppose. But they lost by four to Iowa State, the the twelfth ranked team in the country in a top fifteen matchup, by the final score of eighty to seventy six. Now I I will just jump out and say right now, was not able to watch the whole game. Troy, you know he likes to eat his dinner at three thirty, and he's ah. in bed by seven thirty. I I had they, you know not even not even well okay eight o'clock bed, but dinner is after the show. Thank you very much. If the cats are tipping at eight, Troy's not watching. Sorry, cats, but. He's not that dedicated. Just not, just not last night, no. It was not playing out that way, no. I was able to watch the second half. I was calling Manhattan High Hoops last night. Now, there's two reasons why I wasn't able to go back and rewatch the game. One, I f- totally forgot this morning that I had a dentist appointment. Totally forgot. I remembered about 30 minutes till. I was like, oh, crap. Better get there. Plus, now I'm not going to name any businesses, but I heard some rumors out there. That lavender quarter zips are out there on sale again. And so once I got wind of that, I marched. I mean, I I stopped what I was doing. And I marched down there to a certain establishment to hopefully be the first one there to go get myself the lavender quarter zip. K-State Athletics, like the the basketball team, the staff have been rocking Mm -hmm. amazing quarter zips. But the one I wanted had already been on sale prior it was the Willie, the pennant Willie, mm-hmm. emo on the sh- on the sleeve. Right. I was like, that's the one I gotta have. And I've seen people wear it. I'm like, and I've seen staff wear it. I'm like, man, I am jealous of that. So I go down to the establishment, and they're like, well, we have them, but we're not <laughs> supposed to put them out yet. I was like, what? Come on. They're like, don't worry, we'll take down your information. We'll call you as soon as we put them out. And we'll reserve one for you. I was like, great. Sounds good. I got the call when you were in the office just a few minutes ago. Yep. They're like, here's the deal. We got them out now, but we don't have them in medium. The reason we don't have them in medium (laughs) is because K-State Athletics has already taken them all. (laughs) Oh, my. I have been PA announcing for you guys for so long. And this is how you treat me? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What a snub. So I, I, uh, so now I'm trying my luck online. I'm going to try to uh, – I've, I've made the order, but also the guy that was on the phone and told me that – so here's the deal. 
yes, the order will probably go through, but you might later on today or tomorrow get this email back that says, listen, we know we sold you a, a quarter zip, but guess what? We don't have it for you. We don't have your size. Oh, boy. Uh, and then they had, well, they had the other lavender that had like the power cat on it. It says case state. I was like, I got to have the pennant Willie. I got to have the one that says right. email. That's the one I want. I can't settle. Although I do love the lavender look and I love that quarter zip. It's a good one, but I didn't want to settle. I wanted the one that I wanted. Also wanted the cats get it done against Iowa state. They did not. That was brutal. So the second half I did watch, I feel like I did just by watching the second half, get the gist of what took place last night, despite K-State having the lead in the first half. And shout to Kim Carter, who, I mean, stepped up. He scored, what do you have, nine points before the under-16 timeout. He was hot off the stretch. And also, I from what I could tell from social media, what was a big, maybe an issue or a factor in that first half, giving Iowa State momentum in that first half, was at a point where it appeared that that Coach Tang was upset with Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel and both and took them both off the floor, and that gave momentum to Iowa State. Now, again, didn't watch it. I will uh, when I talk to DY later on, we'll bring it up and we'll talk about it. But second half, I got a good idea of what was taking place. But K State allowed you know Iowa State to shoot way too well from two point mm-hmm. range. It wasn't like a great day for Iowa State from three. It was just a better second half where they were 4 of 7. They were 5 of 16 for the game. And K-State was shooting very well from 3, 9 of 16. I was like, man, we need Ish and Marquise to shoot it a little bit more. The thing is, they were knocking them down in the final stretch. And when K-State was down double digits, and they're trying to claw their way back, fight and scratch, and they were hitting some deep threes. And Ish has been just flaming hot from three the last six games. Ish, as a matter of fact, in the last six games is uh, 15 of 26 for over 62%. Wow. And in those six games, just two turnovers. But there was a big issue with the bigs last night. Oh, boy. Big issue. Frustrating. And this doesn't help. And this might have been the biggest factor of the game, especially when it's the final stretch. Cats are trying to fight back, and they're not rebounding. If you look into the uh, audio list. I was pulling it up right now. Cool. Because I saw you pulled it this morning, and this was actually Coach Tang uh, after the game. Mm-hmm. And he was talking to Wyatt Stan, and it was about the lack of rebounds. I got a little issue with my big fellas right now that we're going to have a conversation about, you know, and, uh, you know, I love them, but, I mean, we can't have three, all three of them go with zero rebounds offensively or defensively yeah. for the game, right? Yeah. Yeah. And But we know that is an issue, and so it's hard right now when you're playing games to really spend a lot of time practicing, but we're going we're gonna to do something about it, and we're going to fix it, and we're going to be a better team. Now, going back to Ish, Ish had a very productive day offensively where he goes 4 of 5 from 3, 4 of 6 from the field, hit a free throw, and finished with 13 points, back-to-back double-digit games. But it's like, you know, defensively, not winning box outs. And when he had to play the 5 because K-State was not getting good minutes last night from Bebe Igiola, that's where Ish had to step up, play a few more minutes, and play the 5. The five is not is is not where he's comfortable. He is not comfortable with being posted up, and Oshun Oshui for Iowa State, I think took advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Plus, also the foul trouble and, and the foul started to add up. Ish picked up a couple there down the stretch, and he ended up fouling out of the game. But I don't know, like 
Oshun Oshuii, I think I'm saying his name right. Uh, you know, when he was posting up, and he's not like a great free throw shooter. He's still eight of eleven. I was like, dang it, we can't you know buy a miss. Um, and yet when you know Iowa State would miss a shot. Cats are losing on the box outs. They're out of position. And sometimes it's just how the ball bounces off the rim. You get lucky sometimes. Mm-hmm. It felt like everything was going Iowa State's way. And, you know, grabbing offensive rebounds is one thing when you give those up on defense. It's how you respond. Can you still keep them off the board? Well, K State was outscored in second chance points 17 to 7. And gosh, it felt like eight of those were scored in the final six minutes of the game. I mean, it was just, it was just a punch in the gut. It's like K-State was fighting so hard offensively to get back into this game. And Keontae Johnson, I mean, we know watching that game, it just he struggled. Mm-hmm. Wasn't scoring from the field. He had five points at the half. He finished with 15. And a couple of those buckets coming in the final couple of minutes, one really good inbounds play to make it a one-score game once again. But after it became a one-score game, the Cats only had one chance to make, a, to make the best out of it. And it was in the final 30 seconds. And I'm still kind of boggling my mind. Like, was I happy with the decision by Marquise Noel? It's a three-point game. It's under 30 seconds to go. Cats, you know, they can hold for the funnel shot. They wanted to. They really had a lot of options. But Marquise Noel, he never passed. And he did explain. We'll hear it in uh, this audio and we'll play it after the break of just his explanation of what he saw and what happened in the final uh, possession before TCU you know, put some free throws in to pull away and, and win the game. But Ish was, it seemed like Ish was open on the wing. Um, he could have shot the three if he wanted to, but he decided to drive. You know, more as I thought about it, I actually replayed that play a couple of times just to see who was open. And I'm sure Marquise Noel, you know, I've replayed it two or three times. He's probably replayed it seven or eight times. Right. Because that's who he is. He wanted to watch film and see what he had open and just learn from that. You know, I wouldn't even call it a mistake, just learn from the moment. Right. And he tried to go in and score. Maybe try to draw a foul, but he didn't score and didn't draw a foul, and then you're now fouling Iowa State. And as I look back at it, and as I think about it now, like honestly, I really didn't mind the idea because Marquise Noel was hitting those really tough contested layups last night. Plus, attacking against Iowa State, you know, usually they probably foul you. you know, but that late in the game – that's also a pretty tough call to get sometimes. And, and I'm sure, you know, you know Marquise Noel, he, he would definitely, no doubt about it, even if he didn't get fouled, he would try to sell it. Mm-hmm. And it just, it was a lot there that just didn't go K-State's way. But I honestly didn't mind it because, you know, you go to the, if you get to the line, that's great. And if you can make it a one-score, a one-point game, that's great because Marquise Noel is a great free-throw shooter. And on the other end, like, it, yeah, you give up the two-pointer for your Iowa State, but you know K-State's going to foul you because it's under 30 seconds to go. You're only up one. I mean, Iowa State's not a great – they're okay at free throw shooting, but they're not as good as K-State. They're 65% on the year. There's some decent odds that they miss one. Or, or, you know, Even if they make both, it's still a three-score game or three-point game, and then you can go in and try to hit the three. So – Breaking that down, thinking about the scenarios, yes, Marquise Noel could have passed it, but it wasn't the worst idea in the world. But it's also hard to get that kind of call. Would I rather him make the pass or take the three? 
Yes, because of how well they were shooting the three last night. When we come back, we will hear from Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson after the game. Their thoughts on the loss to Iowa State is coming up next. Once we wrap up at 6 o'clock, we go straight into pregame coverage of K-State women's basketball visiting J.C. Hoyt and the Oklahoma State Cowgirls in Stillwater. Be Brian Smoller and Randy Peterson on the call. You're shaking your head. Did you have something to say? Just. Ah, my bad. Just got something via Twitter that makes makes me wince in pain because it's a reminder that, dang, I'm getting there. We'll go ahead and read it. The first grandfather, father, son trio to be selected to the McDonald's All American Games: Milt Wagner, Dewan Wagner, and DJ Wagner. And you remember yeah. Grandpa well? Yeah. Oh boy. Good grief. Casey, women tip off at six thirty. That's unreal. I also want to give a shout out here to Nick Goodwin, K-State infielder. He's a yes. junior this year. He was named uh, to the preseason All-Big 12 team, K-State baseball player. Now, this might be surprising to hear, but baseball starts in three weeks. Yeah, right. Three weeks away in the Lone Star State as the, uh, as the Cats will start a four-game series at Stephen F. Austin in Nacogdoches, Texas. And that'll be uh, first game on the 17th of February. Nacogdoches. The home opener, for those that don't know, is against Army on Friday, March 3rd. Let's go back to the uh, K-State men's basketball team. and Keontae Johnson struggling to score. Now, I, I continue to look at the box score here. He did have five turnovers in the game. I think something might have to change with their approach with Keontae Johnson. Because, of course, yeah, he's, he's facing a lot of double teams. He, you're, you're not going to be able to guard him probably one-on-one unless you put maybe your fastest guy and your best defender on him. Wasn't much of a factor down the stretch other than a couple of buckets. Um, but when I say down the stretch, I'm talking like when K-State was down 10 points and finding its way back where I saw it seemed like they just kind of put Keontae Johnson in the corner. And if they could suck the defender – their way, maybe on a drive, a little hesitation, and maybe a curl into the lane and, and suck the corner the, the defender off him and he can get a corner three. That's what they're looking for. But a lot of his game, it really since the KU game is get the ball maybe midway towards the hoop, back towards the hoop, and it's like like trying to use them as a post. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that actually generate into a decent, uh, quite a few turnovers, it feels like. Now, I'm not the expert when it comes to like basketball on if that's like the part of the game they should change. But it feels like, you know, there's got to be a, a couple of tweaks here or there to get Keontae Johnson more involved. And I, you know, I fully believe in the coaching staff to be able to figure that out. I mean, something's got to be tweaked here a little bit, um, especially like with those tough games on the road. You know, it was a really slow start at TCU and then a slow start, really slow game for Keontae Johnson, who just didn't play his best, didn't play really well at all. A little concerning that Saturday he also didn't get off to a very good start. 
we put the two back to back, is he starting to maybe hit a wall? What adjustments have been made by opponents at this point? Yeah, it's just tough first half. Second yeah. half, Keontae was great yeah. against Texas Tech. He was fantastic. Marquise Noel also finished with 23 points from the field, 6 of 17, but 4 of 5 from 3, 7 of 8 from the, from, from the free throw line, and he also finished with 9 assists in the game, did have 5 turnovers uh, in the contest as well. But I also noticed uh, – oh, never mind. I was looking at the wrong number there. But I did want to get to uh, Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson, who spoke after the game with the media, and Marquise Noel, his thoughts on the game led off. We playing a t- top-10 team on the road. You know, you got to give them a lot of credit. Um, they out-executed us, I felt like, at times. Um, they got more points in the paint. Um, and, you know, they. I feel like they were the tougher team. But, you know, we got better from last week when we played TCU. So we just got to watch film and, and move on from this game. Tell me about your uh, drive there on your next last possession. Uh, you missed it. Was that the shot you were looking for? The way they was playing, I seen that was no help side. So I just tried to drive the ball and be aggressive because I knew, you know, we was in a double bonus. It didn't fall my way. Um, you know, I look at film and see, you know, what other options I had. But, you know, you got to give them all the credit. You know, they played really well today on their home floor. And then Keontae, what, what, what did they kind of do to, to slow you down, especially in the first half? Um, when I was getting in the, like, on the right wing, they would bring a, a double team and then make me push me off out of the line and make me look for the other teammates. And they started that in the first half. And I think, like, it came out in the second half just being more aggressive, trying to get to the line and get fouls. Keith, do you have any shots out there that you wish you would have taken back or no? Um, no, nah, man. You know, I practice most of them shots. Um, I don't hang my head when I miss. Uh, but, you know, I wish, you know, that last two-pointer would have went in. But, you know, that, that wasn't the play that cost us the game. I feel like we had a lot of, you know, opportunities today to capitalize and, you know, win. Um, like I said, we got to watch film and get better from this. Um, and, you know, watch it down. We'll see them down the road. Uh, Keontae, you said there um, in your last response that you guys feel like you maybe could have done better defending on the interior. You struggled with that against TCU as well. You obviously haven't had a chance to watch the film yet, but what areas do you think you guys can improve on interior defense moving forward? Just front the post, really. Just trying to front the post, make it harder for them to catch to push out the offense rather than them catching it lower in the paint and getting them a good look. So just trying to force, force them out and um, better ball pressure. I mean, from the guards, make it harder for them to get it in. That's probably the biggest thing for us right now. Marquise, when you find Ish for three-pointers, how much belief is there that he's making them, considering it's about 80% on the 4-5? Uh, he's putting in a lot of work, you know, so that, you know, allows me to, you know, trust him in those moments. He has, he has some big-time shots, some timely shots today. Um, he's been incredible in Big 12 conference play. Um, uh, he, he, he's been consistent so far. So, you know, I just, you know, look for him whenever opportunity I can. Keontae, I know looking ahead, do you have any emotions about playing your, your uh, former team on Saturday? Uh, nah, not really. I mean, I talked to some of them, but just trying to get win the next game, really. Just bounce back from this game. Keontae keeping it cool there. Right. I, I, I felt like if I was him, it would be a little bit of an emotional game for me. It, it would, you know, obviously a lot of memories, you know, good and bad, would jump back in your mind and seeing the old uniform you used to wear now against you on the other side as uh, the Cats host Florida Saturday at 5 o'clock. Uh, I do want to mention that uh, Florida does play tonight. If you want to if you want to do some scouting, they're going to host uh, South Carolina tonight at 6. That'll be on ESPN2 if you want to check out Florida. 
I, I want to bring up a positive that I take away from this. And that is, yes, K-State was far from playing their best game. Mm-hmm. Struggled with rebounding, giving up second-chance points. Keontae Johnson had off game, still scored 15 points. You know, things. A lot of things did not go K State's way. However, they still just lost the game by four. Where I saw improvement was against TCU. Things spiraled. Things got really bad. Against Iowa State in a more hostile environment, against a top five and a contender for the Big Twelve championship type of Iowa State team, who's very good defensively. Still only lost the game by four. And before last night, Iowa State hadn't given up more than 67 points in Hilton Coliseum. And they're also undefeated in Hilton Coliseum. I don't know if they had, I think in every non-con game they had there, they allowed less than like 56 points. Mm -hmm. And they allowed two teams to score 62, one of them KU. And K-State was able to score 76 in Hilton Coliseum. Before last night, Iowa State hadn't given up more than 70 points to a Big 12 team, and the Cats scratched and clawed, and they lost by four. It sucks to watch them lose, but they're 17-3. and And the way this league is so competitive, I think there's no way a Big 12 champion gets away with this league and not lose four league games this year. It's It's just the way it is this year. Especially when you start to factor in home sites and what teams have been able to accomplish in their own gyms. TCU has been good at home. K-State has been unblemished at home. Undefeated. KU, undefeated at home until TCU TCU. the other day. Iowa, I mean, it's, where are you going to go to have an off night in this conference, even when you're a road team? You're not. And that's the amazing part about how this conference is stacked up this year. By the way, 11 games remain. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yes. Ten conference. Ten, ten conference, that's right. Yeah, so we're not even at the halfway mark. And the Cats are 6-2 and two in, the toughest, uh, in the toughest league with every team playing each other is the toughest game on the schedule that night for college basketball and the strength of schedule. Oh, my gosh. Top ten is all Big 12 teams. Yeah, I mean, I think, this. I, you know, checking out Twitter last night, I think the fan base handled it a little bit more. This is going to be a stressful next oh, yeah. two months. This is going to be super stressful. Yeah, I chuckled uh, earlier today thinking, okay, we get through this weekend, and oh, by the way, next weekend's already February. The next four games, again, biggest stretch I think this season when it comes to the regular season, tough competition. You're playing at KU. you got games against Texas and TCU back-to-back, but they are at home. Big opportunities to really build momentum and steal some big victories coming up in the next couple of weeks. And why not knock off Florida on Saturday? When we come back, we talk Chiefs football. Voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis, after the break. It's the game on KMAN. Derek Young from KSN Online joins us for hour number two. Exactly how magical was Hilton Coliseum last night? Was it louder than Bramlage Coliseum was a week ago against KU? Let's talk Chiefs football. We're now joined by the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis, here on the game. Mitch, 
How fun was it watching K-State beat KU in overtime last week? It's been fun watching this team anytime I get a chance to watch them play and to win that game the way they want it. I mean, the they're hard. K-State's hard to guard. They're hard to stop. Uh, they're strong. They're athletic. And they it was and they guard. I mean, they were they make things tough on you. You're gonna have to make tough shots. The thing that concerns me in the TCU game in the game last night was that when you get an isolated post inside, they've got to figure that out. That's the next piece for them because Iowa State really down the stretch was doing those post isos uh, all night long, and the and uh, K State singled them and had to because of the shooters, but. They've got to get. They got to win those battles inside. That's where I thought TCU set the tone, and Iowa State finished the game uh, against them. But otherwise, that this team's for real. They're athletic, fun to watch. They're deep. They shoot it. They guard. Drunk tanks and phenomenal job. Yeah, and they'll play Florida on Saturday. That's the next matchup for the Cats. Meanwhile, for the Chiefs, Sunday against the Bengals. But before we get there, we've got to recap a little bit what happened against the Jacksonville Jaguars in the divisional round. Chiefs win 27-20. And we'll get to the ankle here in just a moment. But how about Chad Henney when Mahomes exits the game that he leads the team on the longest postseason drive in, in, uh, in Chiefs history? It says a lot of things. And there's a broad-based answer to it. One is the way that Andy Reid prepares everybody on this team. We saw it with Matt Moore in 2019. We saw it with Chad Henney in 2020 to close out the Cleveland game. Now, this one tops those two. But that and the fact that the offensive line, think about K-State's offensive line this year. I don't think they got enough credit in getting that team to a Big 12 championship at the Sugar Bowl. But I don't think the Chiefs' offensive line gets enough credit. When that ball was at the two and Henney's coming out the quarterback, I talked to three of the five, and to a man, they said, put every backpack you can find on us. But make the sled as heavy as you can. We are going to drag this up the hill. Andy Reid's preparation, Chad Henney buying into that and staying engaged, even though he only had two passing attempts all year and only played in two playoff games in 15 seasons, and that offensive line saying, follow us. We will get this done. And that mindset led to that incredible 98-yard drive. Who is the Chiefs' best backup quarterback of all time? Rich Gannon. Uh, if you put him in as a backup quarterback, honestly, if you're going to look at it from a historical perspective, it would be Mike Livingston, who uh, Lenny Dawson was injured that Super Bowl four season, in and out, in and out. And the Chiefs played four quarterbacks that year, but Mike Livingston performed at such a high level that it got them basically into the postseason as a wild card. They won that as a wild card, don't forget. So I think historically Mike Livingston, but from a talent standpoint, Rich Gannon. If Rich Gannon plays in the 1997 game, the Broncos don't win it, the Chiefs might. Patrick Mahomes, obviously the ankle injury was a big factor. He did not want to come out of that game, but goes to the locker room and gets checked out. He does end up coming back into the game and plays on one leg and leads Kansas City to a victory. But I think it got out, Leo, later that night that he, he got all the tests done. He should be good to go. He's most likely going to play on Sunday, and now we already know that he's obviously going to. But how convinced are you that that the ankle is good to go and, and Mahomes will be somewhat close to 100%? It's 
trust is a big deal in the inside the fort of the epicenter of the Chiefs Kingdom. I think Chris Kleiman would tell you the same. I know it was with Bill Snyder. And we talk about it, businesses talk about it, they talk about trust and culture, and a lot of people talk about it. Very few places have it. I will tell you, being around Andy Reid for 10 seasons, that trust factor is large. A couple of things I can tell you, and this is the week where you hear everything, right, where my cousin's cousin's realtor said he's on his last breath. Patrick Mahomes won't make it to Thursday. Or my cousin's cousin's realtor said, oh, I saw him. He was on a skateboard going down the middle of the street. That's the kind of stuff you live during these kind of weeks. Okay, here's what I can tell you for certain is Andy Reid is the most forthright big-time coach in any sport that I've ever seen when it comes to these matters. He may not tell you everything, but he's not going to tell you a fifth. Secondly, there is a village of really highly skilled people that I talked about with you after the DeMora Hamlin incident that surrounds Patrick Mahomes this week. Is he going to be 100%? I don't think that's realistic. But just today, he's a full participant in practice. He's walking around okay. We'll see how it is tomorrow. But it is a day-to-day deal. And none of us will know until we know. But this is all trending toward being him playing and playing at a high level. And it's the trust factor that exists with the Chiefs' kingdom and why the Chiefs have been the most successful team overall uh, in NFL in the NFL since Patrick Mahomes became the starting quarterback. All right, it's Bengals and Chiefs on Sunday for the AFC Championship game. Fifth straight AFC Championship game to be played in Arrowhead. First of all, how relieved are you that this game is not going to be at a neutral site in Atlanta? Oh, the, the best. I can't even, I don't have a word to describe it. And I truly think it was not going to be a 50-50 crowd in Atlanta. I think, and, and it was going to be, you know, sensitive and, and Jamar Hamlin's recovering great. There's been answer to prayer, and we forget answer to prayer, like, Thank the Lord for positively answering that prayer and sparing that kid's life. But that game was going to be about that and the whole month up to that and, and the Bills and the Chiefs are going to play the role of villain and antagonist. That's gone now. Let's all pray that DeMar Hamlin continues to recover and he can play on the field next year. But it ain't going to be a part now of the playoffs for this game. This is the way the Chiefs would have been the one seed if that game's played. And no matter who would have won, I mean, if the Bengals win that game, um, then the you know the Chiefs would have been the one seed. The Bengals, no way they were going to get to be the one seed. It would have been very infinitesimal. Uh, so this is the way it should be. So that's where we're at. We're at G- historically, um, 57 years, the Chiefs never hosted this game. They only played in it really once uh, because the others were AFL championship games. And now to host it five straight years to set an all-time NFL record really is mind-blowing. But it's going to be here. Bring it on. Let's go. The Bengals are good, but it's here. It's not on a neutral site, and that's a good thing. They need to be on home sites and reward the team in the regular season that earns it. When we talked before the Chiefs played the Bengals on December 4th, you mentioned that you felt like this was a scarier Bengals team compared to last year's team in the AFC Championship game. But after watching what Joe Burrow did in the divisional round against Buffalo, are they now at their next level of scary? 
Yes, I would agree with that. But it's not what Joe Burrow did to me that's the next level of scary. It is what the defense was able to do in completely befuddling Buffalo, one. Two, then the fact that they ran the ball so effectively. One of your nuggets of the night is that no team throws it more on first down than the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, they did throw against some off coverage by Buffalo, but they ran the ball. Joe Mixon ran it 20 times and had over 100 yards rushing, and they manhandled Buffalo. They double-teamed the play side inside line, or linemen, and then they walled off linebackers, and it was a long day for Edmonds and for Milano, the two main linebackers of the Bills. That's what gets your attention. They shocked Buffalo. They dominated Buffalo. They've won 10 straight games. They haven't lost since Halloween. And so, yes, they are a formidable opponent in every phase of this game. All right, who's going to win it out of the NFC? Who's going to Super Bowl 57? From the NFC? Yeah. Gosh, I guess, man, I don't know if midnight's going to strike for Brock Purdy, but I do think it will. I mean, the 49ers have to work ahead. They've got to play ahead, and I'm going to get the Bengals play ahead, too. The Bengals have outscored their opponents in the last five games, 46 to nothing in the first quarter, and have only allowed 22 uh, first possession points by opponents all year long. Only Dallas was better. So uh, Cincinnati is the wrestler, either in high school or college, that comes out and tries to get the first period pin. They want the math to slap right away. That's what Cincinnati does, and then you're working uphill the rest of the game. That's what they did to Buffalo. Well, uh, here's what Philadelphia will do. If they do that to San Francisco, it's really hard for San Francisco to play from behind. It's a real system-oriented offense, and uh, Brock Purdy's done amazing. But it's all within the system. System, system, system. Read, play, action, boot. And to go off script or to come from behind and go into a quick offense it's going to be really hard for them to do. I see Philadelphia winning it. Well, Mitch, if everything goes as planned, we'll be talking to you in a couple of weeks leading into Super Bowl 57 out of Glendale, Arizona. But once again, Mitch, greatly appreciate your time and have a good call on Sunday. It's going to be uh, the Chiefs have got to come out with the, uh, a physical mind frame and take it to this team on both sides of the ball. This has got to be time of position. People overlook that. Uh, Cincinnati had the ball last year almost 36 minutes in the AFC Championship game and 33 minutes in the game on December the 4th. It's getting these dudes off the field and taking the fight to them. I know that sounds real uh, coachy, playish, whatever, but I'm telling you, that's where this game has got to be won. The Chiefs have got to bring a hammer. They've got to bring an anvil and drop it on these guys from the first second of the game. Extra minute with Mitch. Thanks again, man. You got it, man. All right, Mitch. It's Mitch Holtz's voice of the Chiefs. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, a little uh, breaking video game news that I'm very interested in. Up next. If you're a gamer like me, and also an Xbox owner like me, you're living life the right way, by the way. Love video games. I'm going to be a gamer forever. But this is nostalgic, and we've been waiting for this news for a long time. And I'm finally glad I can bring it to you. Uh, 
Oh, many consider it one of the greatest video games of all time. GoldenEye 007 for the Nintendo 64 is one of the first N64 games that I owned. I remember getting it for Christmas in, I think, 98. But the news got out there months ago that Xbox got its hands on it. I don't know if it's going to be remastered or anything, but they were going to bring it to Xbox One and Xbox ser- the next series. X or whatever you have. I have the X. Guys, it's here. It's finally here. It is actually happening, and it is here. Starting. That's the big. That's the key, though, right? When do we? When can we first play it? I am very happy to tell you, you can start playing GoldenEye 007 on Xbox. Not in two months. Not in two years. Not in two weeks. Two days. Oh boy. You have to wait two days. For GoldenEye to be available, it's going to be on Game Pass, so if you have the $15 a month subscription, you can play it for for free if you have the subscription. And as if you're a longtime listener of the show, you could probably guess who the first person I told this news to. <laughs> That'd be John Kurtz, who at one, at one time we live-streamed us one-on-one multiplayer for GoldenEye. He beat me. He did beat me. He beat me like 11 to 7 or something like that. But all this means is now we could probably play online. I can get her some revenge and beat his uh-huh. ass. All right. Hour two number of the game. We're going to be joined by Derek Young for Case Center Line, who was in Ames last night. We will talk about the last last night to Iowa State Plus. Number one song of the day. And ask us anything. A full hour two is up next. And so is your local news.